Thanks for joining us for another great message from Influences Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to influences.church. And now for our message. Where's my miracle? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, these three ingredients, these three ingredients we need for a miracle. It's not a formula, but they are essential. It says, read, uh, say, and without, say without. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith, belief, and earnestly seek Him. Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this time afresh. I thank you. It's not my words that bring life. It's not my words that stir. It's not my words that challenge. I thank you, Holy Spirit. It's you. God, I pray your anointing just come and make us sensitive to what you are saying today, that we would hear what we have to do, but we trust today that it's your grace that makes a way. We trust today you are ready, here, and willing to move afresh and speak to us, not just in this moment, but for the moments ahead. So Holy Spirit, breathe on this meeting. Because the 11 o'clock, we've had a little bit more sleep. We are ready to go, ready to hear. Way more than that 9 a.m. service, Jesus. This group is just ready to run. So thank you that you recognise that and that a fire is about to start in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I love our senior pastor, Pastor Ashley. But I've noticed something as I've travelled with him or gone to Atlanta to be with our church there and be with the team, etc. He's normally gone for about two weeks' time. And uh, on the way coming home, my wife's ready. She's had our kids, you know, and, and our, our kids aren't just sitting in the corner reading book kids. They're, they're, they're the best, but they are whatever the opposite of that child is. And she's ready for me to get home. She's ready just for a few moments of respite. And I know out of desire to be with my family and fear, I have to get on that plane. And Pastor Ashley's flown a lot in his life is not just relaxed when it comes to getting to the airport on time. He's, he's, he's the other end of that. So, you know, in Atlanta's the, the Atlanta airport's the busiest airport in the world. There's more flights flying in and out of there than anywhere. So that means it's the busiest with people. And then driving from where we are in Atlanta to uh, on the outskirts of Atlanta into the actual city where the airport is. I mean, I'm not talking two-lane main northeast road kind of roads. I'm talking eight lanes. There's a place called Spaghetti Junction where there's more roads than, than there is pasta at the Villani house. And, you know, and, and it takes one bit of weather or one sporting event or, or, or one accident and everything clogs up and you just can't move for ages. And so I'm like, let's get to the airport two and a half hours early and it's going to be at least an hour drive. So let's leave another 15 to 20 minutes. And, and Pastor she's like, nah, you don't need to get there that early. It's easy. You can just get there an hour early. You'll get on. It's all right. They're not leaving with that. You know what? There's no rush. I know the roads. We can get there. Uh, I, I'm like, come on. So I've packed my bags. I put them at the front. I've made him a takeaway coffee. It's not a cup he can have at home. It's takeaway. I've put his jacket on him. Uh, I've got his driving gloves. He drives with driving gloves. And um, he doesn't really, if you're watching, love you. And, uh, and uh, I've warmed up the car. And he's like, no rush, Josh. Let's take our time. And I'm stressing out here. I was like, we've got to get to the airport. I've been here for two weeks. Well, I mean, what's an extra 15 minutes? Let's go now. And he's like, you know what? Bathroom break. Let's go. Let's take our time. I'm like, let's go. But I've got to give him credit to all of my begging, screaming, asking, stressing, 
threatening. We've never missed a plane. We've always got there, never early, but just on time. It's just like God. When we want a miracle, we've got our time, we've got our schedule, we've, we know spaghetti junctions on the way. We know we've got to get there. We know someone else is gonna be fighting for our miracle. We're believing it's gotta happen. If it happened now, it'd be more convenient, less stressful, more peaceful. God, why don't you have a watch? God, why don't you listen to me? God, if you just get me to my miracle, you can leave and do something for someone else or the, or the harps or, the, or whatever it is that you know. That God, just let me. And God is like, it's okay. In my perfect timing, I'll come through. And I've learned this with God. He's never wrong. He's never late. He always comes through and He is always good. Amen. His scripture is a book of miracles that don't happen in anyone else's time. You look at the garden. Imagine God talking about, watch what I'm going to do today, guys. I'm going to create and all of the angels are watching. He's going, I'm going to do something, the most incredible thing I've ever done. And day one, he, you know, he slits the water in the sky. And like those little aliens in Toy Story, all of the angels are like, wow. And he's like, that's, that's so good. And he's like, that's not it. And he's like, what are you going to do next? He goes, I'll go to, I'm going to let it go. I'll come back tomorrow. And they're like, you're kidding. And the next day he does something and they're like, wow. And he's like, no, that's, just, that's not it yet. Okay. The next day, and the next day, and the next day, and eventually makes a monkey, and they're like, surely, wow. And he's like, don't get mistaken, that's not it. And then, you know, there's birds, and they're like, that's incredible. They can fly. They can fly like us, like, you know, this. And like, like and no, not. Day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. When, when is he going to? Eventually, day six. The ark. Noah spent years, years building this ark. And then it rained for how long? 40 days and 40 nights. But how long did they have to stay in the ark before they could get out of there? I mean, cramped up with your family, your animals? A year and 17 days, they reckon. Why the delay? The Shunammite woman waits for a miracle and finally gets it, then a few years later dies? God, what do you, why? Ezekiel's bones. Those bones clearly had more life in them. Clearly, their mission wasn't finished yet. Even they had to die literally to themselves before breath would come. I mean, Jesus himself, the finished work was at the cross, yet there had to be a delay of three days. Three days. Why couldn't he, once he died, just rise again? And the, no, but there was an in-between. The upper room, the disciples know they're going to be persecuted, they don't have the answers. They've given their life to following Jesus and he leaves and says, it's okay, I'm gonna give you a gift. My kids, if I promise them a gift and it's not in their hands within the next 30 seconds, they're lost. Jesus promises a gift and then makes them wait. Another day, another day, another day, another day, another day. And it's easy when you're waiting to lose your boldness. It's easy to lose your authority. And it's easy to go look for other things when you're asking the question of where's my miracle. If you weren't here last week or you weren't able to watch online, and we love everyone that's watching online today, can't wait to see you, but where you are, receive what God's got for you. Pastor Tony gave us seven things because him and Oster the last few years have walked through some real health challenges in their home. 
And if you were here, you would have heard those incredible seven great things, you know, hearing the facts but believing the truth and, and watching our language and, and protecting the atmosphere of our homes and all the things that they did. But everyone, including the person down the road from you that seemingly has it all together, has to go through the in-between. Man, I know what it's like this year to feel flat. You come and you're buoyant, handball, tell stories. I don't know what it is to be flat. I've also stopped eating carbs, so maybe it's that. And I just like, you know, I've lost motivation and joy for life. But hey, but it's also like you're waiting for things and it hasn't happened. So you're like, oh, okay. Let me say to you, and we're going to make room at the end of the service. The other day I got in my car and just started asking God, when is this and why is this? And I felt the Holy Spirit just say, before you come and ask me, why don't you just come and spend time in my presence? I tell you, by the time I came to my asking, I was able to ask with boldness, authority, quickly, because I didn't need to beg, because His presence was actually all that I needed. Today, I want to help you in that place of the in-between. The first week, we set a foundation. The next week, we gave an example. Today, I want to help you with the steps on how to see your miracle. And these next weeks, we're going to open the altar and pray and believe for people to see it. Amen? So four quick things. And how do I get my miracle? Four things that seem simple, but I want you to, I'm gonna unpack them quickly. So I want you to take notes, get this down because you're gonna have to outwork this. This is not just for when we gather together. This is for your personal life. The first one, how do I get my miracle? One, ask with authority. Everyone say authority. In John 14, verse 14, Jesus says, I will do whatever. What an incredible thing. If the creator of heaven says, I will do whatever, you listen. I will do whatever you ask in my Name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Keep that up for a moment. Jesus gave no disclaimers, no caveats, no little sublines, no little voice that comes in on, at the end of the commercial and lets you know this internet program only works if the data works in your area. There's nothing like that. He just says, I will do whatever you ask for in my name. If Jesus doesn't give any other caveats or, ex- or disclaimers, we shouldn't either. You see, the last few weeks, we've talked about having a spiritual maturity to understand maybe when God, is, what seems like a delay is actually God's perfect will. That God is good, but my goodness is not His goodness. His goodness is good for me. We've talked about how we posture ourselves in the waiting, but don't let that foundation become a lid for when you ask God for miracles. Those things we're teaching, in you are not to put a maturity in you so that when you ask God, you're like, God, I need a miracle, but I understand it may not happen and it's okay. Maybe maybe it's for someone else. Maybe it's not for me. You don't need to give the excuses to God. You need a biblical foundation to stand on. But sometimes Christians get such an understanding of the foundation, it becomes a cap for their request. So instead of asking God with authority, we give the excuses for why it may not happen. And Jesus doesn't tell you to do that. He says, whatever you ask for in my name, you can have. You have to have authority in your ask. Authority. When Sean's asked me out, that's right, me out, when we were 23, I was stupid enough to say no. And over the next year, I lived life and she was heartbroken, of course. And a year later, we see each other at a gig. We play some pool and I think, whoa, what am I doing? Get some courage and ask her out. I'll tell you how I asked her out. And this is the worst way. So boys, do the opposite. The next day, my lunch break, 
I sent her an email. <laughs> hey, Shans, good seeing you last night. How's your day going? So, want to go get maybe some food or see a movie sometime? Kind regards, Josh. And because she was so desperate, she, no, not true at all. Because that is a weak ask. That is a weak ask. Guys, you may be nervous. You may not know how it's gonna go, but some of you guys just need to get some confidence and with boldness, know there's life after no and ask someone to have a coffee. We're gonna do something for, anyway. Okay, I'm gonna leave that there. It's not the message of the day. My boys, when Jackson's made with the PlayStation, it's Geordie's turn. Geordie comes and says, can I have a turn the PlayStation? And I say, yes. He doesn't go in and say, Jack, you may say no, and it's okay, and if it's all right, and if you're done, and if it's convenient and good with you, can I have a turn on the PlayStation? No, he walks in and says, Jack, get off, Dad said. <laughs> he uses my name and my authority to grab what he is believing for. Can I tell you, too many people have become weak in their ask, and they're using almost like, God, if it's okay with you, I'm writing in my diary, if it would be your will, and if it's not, and I believe that we have to have an understanding of the goodness and the will and the plan of God. But when you stand on that firm foundation, you then can go and pray like this, in Jesus' Name, I receive my healing. For my kids that are away from you, not God, if you wanna save them, no, He gave His life for them. I declare in that Name that is above every other Name, all authority given to me in heaven and earth. What's loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. In Jesus' Name, I'm believing for their salvation. When you pray for a miracle, you need to get your authority back. And if I can, for some of us, one of these points is gonna speak to different people today. Get your authority back when you go to pray in Jesus' Name. Because when you pray in Jesus' Name, it means you pray, pray in His place. You pray for His sake, which means you pray with His authority. Authority. You need to pray with authority. Everyone say authority. Number two, you have to boldly believe. Everyone say boldly. Because it's not, the belief, bold and belief gonna matter here because it's not, it's not how long you pray for. It's not how good you've been. Who's ever just come to church thinking, well, God, I need a miracle, I need an answer, I need a job, so I'm gonna go to church because if I can, God will then be happy with me. Now, I should go to church, but it's not to get God to be happy with me. Who's needed something from God so that week you were super diligent in reading the Bible? The Bible is good for your faith, but it's not to make God pleased with you. You're not praying to tick a box. You're praying because of the authority you're going to need, and you're praying because of who you're believing in. See, Galatians 3 verse 5 says, I ask you again, does God give you the, this is the key, the two things here, the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe. Everyone say believe. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. See, no one, no matter your activity or inactivity, is deserving of God's blessing through your efforts. It's not about your sacrifice 
It's about His sacrifice because of grace. Let me say it again. It's not because you sacrificed for Him. Belief then is in you and you can't do this. It's belief that His sacrifice and His grace was enough. Let me show you with the woman of the issue of blood. It says in Mark 5.27, when she heard, when she heard, what does she hear? She, keep it up for a moment. She, she would have heard, she heard about Jesus. She didn't hear suddenly she was good enough. She didn't suddenly hear, oh, no, no, the preachers say this is fit. No, she heard the testimonies of people that were undeserving on the fringes of society, the excluded, the unqualified, the unrighteous getting their miracles. People that were poor and couldn't pay for their miracle. So she's gone, oh, so it's not about me, it's about him. So she's heard Jesus is overflowing with mercy, grace, and kindness. So when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. See, faith ignited in her the moment she heard of him. Now, can I ask a question? Was she conscious of her faith? No. She's not conscious of her faith. She's conscious of his grace. See, some of us are so trying hard to, I've got to get faith. That's not where faith comes from. Faith comes from the word that points to Jesus. See, what happens is she is conscious of his grace, so she reaches out and touches him, and then he's aware of her faith. And he says this to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. But it wasn't her faith that pushed her. Because some of us, I don't feel faith at the moment. That's okay. Are you aware of his grace more than you are your lack of faith? Because you need faith. But what happens when you read the Word and you become aware of Jesus' mercy, grace and kindness is that His grace leads you to boldly believe not in you, in Him. And when you go to Him, He sees your faith. It wasn't you see your faith, it's He sees your faith. So she saw His grace, He saw her faith and she got the miracle. You don't have to try, work up enough faith to get a miracle. Faith rises in you when you see His grace. Amen. So what do you do? You have to boldly believe He is who He says He is and He'll do what He says He'll do. And that will be enough based on the Word of God that comes from hearing to get enough faith to go get your miracle. But it won't be like today, I feel more charged up with faith. So today's the day for my miracle. No, today I'm more aware of His grace and that postures me for Him to see my faith. Amen. So what do we got to do? Number one. Ask with authority. Secondly, boldly believe. And thirdly, earnestly seek. Earnestly seek the part we read in the end of that scripture. What? The woman with the issue of blood, the, the, the guys that lowered the man through the roof of the house, the centurion, blind Bartimaeus, what did, what did they have in their life? Well, the reality was they were desperate and they weren't waiting for Jesus to come to them. They were getting the attention of Jesus. They were hungry. They took their eyes off their off. off any other natural solution. They weren't worried what anyone else thought and they put their trust in Jesus. They didn't care what anyone else was thinking or doing. They needed their miracle. See, if he gives us an instruction to earnestly seek him. If everything we asked for just happened straight away, we wouldn't need to earnestly seek him because <laughs> we expect God to earnestly seek us out. 
But the responsibility is our belief is in Him, but our responsibility is to earnestly seek. To earnestly seek. It doesn't even say seek, it's earnestly. Right? We read about this when Peter was in prison and, uh, and, the, and the followers were praying for Peter to be released and it talked about how they prayed. It means they, the, the, it, when they talked about them earnestly praying, the word is a medical term which means they prayed until their limbs stretched. I mean, they were putting in so much effort. Uh, we had a netball game, Pastor Alice mentioned it not long ago as a staff and, and Alice was the coach of the other team and I didn't care about beating the other team. I wanted to beat Alice and, and, and it was, there, I stretched to my capacity to the point I literally tore my ligaments and I feel we lost the game because I was injured, okay? So, but the, the point is, I just wanted to have a go. The point is, you, there's something in you that says, I'm gonna pray to the point so earnestly. I'm gonna seek to the point. I'm gonna chase after the point until I get my miracle. See, the path for a miracle often goes through un- the uncomfortable. But we want it to be comfortable. We wanna be, God, don't, I want... If we just do it, if you just do it now, I won't be stressed. If you just do it now, I'll have peace. If you have it now, it's, e- it's easier, right? The path of the miracle was often uncomfortable. We see this in Elijah. Let me give you one quick example. First Kings 17. There's a famine going on. Elijah's got nothing. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Elijah and he said to go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've commanded a widow there to take care of you. So Elijah went to Zarephath. Because like this, they reckon this is about a hundred mile journey. It's a desert, it's, it's, a, it's a drought, it's uncomfortable. Elijah, he has a price on his head from King Ahab. Everyone knows who he is. They wanna kill him. He's got no food, he's got no money, he's got no water and he has to go on a long journey. And this is God's man. But the truth is, the road isn't always easy for a miracle. But he gets there and I wonder what drove him. Now, let me just, this is Josh's interpretation. He's single. He has no money. He has no support network. God says, there's a widow. He's like, well, I bet if God has a widow for me, she's, maybe she's my wife. What if, if God's got a widow for me, she must live in a mansion. If God's got a widow for me, man, she must have more food than anyone else. I'm God's chosen. It's gotta be what I need and I ask for, right? I mean, she must have a well, maybe two. So we're gonna survive the drought. And he gets to a house after a hundred mile journey and he's trying to survive in the heat, the lack of food and people trying to take his head off. And he gets there dreaming, probably thinking about the bounty that awaits him. And she is not just poor, she is so dirt poor that all she has is enough crumbs to put together, literally so her and her son can eat their last meal and die. I wonder if on the other side, she's waiting for her miracle and she's thinking, oh, God's gonna send an answer. He's gonna be rich. He's gonna be wealthy. He's gonna have food. And he comes and says, give me your last meal. He had to earnestly seek and she had to boldly believe what God would do. And at that intersection of seeking and believing, there's a miracle that provides not just for him, but also for her and her son. But the miraculous is not found in the comfortable. See, Elijah didn't say, number one, you've sent me in the wrong direction. Number two, you sent me to the wrong person. And it was like Jonah that went and said, I'm gonna find my own path. In 2022, in this 
wonderful nation, it's so easy to go, God, that's too difficult, that's too long, that's too uncomfortable, I'll find my own solution. We read Jonah and go, how could you? But we often do, me too, do the same thing. Am I willing to walk the uncomfortable path and earnestly seek Him for the miracle that He has for my life? Are you uncomfortable? Are you financially, emotionally, relationally, physically waiting? If I can, congratulations. You're on the edge of a miracle. If you don't run, but if you earnestly seek Him, ask in Jesus' name and boldly believe in Him, not you. I believe one way or the other, however He chooses, you're gonna receive a miracle. Amen? And this last part, number four. And again, in the next weeks, if I can, we're, we're trying to take our time to position you over every week, if you can take this, to walk in the miraculous, not just once, but each and every day. You need the breath of the Holy Spirit. Breathe in, number four, breathe in the Holy Spirit. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this. He talks about his ministry by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. The way we see miracles is through, don't get this wrong, it's by Jesus through the Holy Spirit. You gotta know, Jesus was dependent, I'm gonna use that word, dependent on the Holy Spirit. The last act He did as solely God in His own power was the incarnation when He became man. After that, Jesus could not scripturally do miracles outside the power of the Holy Spirit. Now we wanna be independent. We wanna be independent of our parents so we get a job. We wanna be independent of them driving us around so we get a car. We wanna be independent of our workplace so we try and save enough money. We wanna be independent of banks. We wanna be independent of the church. We wanna be independent of... I mean, we live this life trying to be independent and it is the opposite to the reality that God has for us. You and I need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit because Jesus was. Hebrews tells us, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever He chose. So what you need is daily, if miracles come through the Holy Spirit, daily you need to breathe in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just want a touch of the Holy Spirit, but what you need is the breath of the Holy Spirit. As you look through Scripture, the word for spirit is often interchanged between wind and breath. Everyone say breath. And why breath? Because if you stop breathing, you stop living. And if you stop breathing in the Holy Spirit daily, you will stop living a miraculous supernatural life. It is not enough for a revival meeting. Don't think revival just means that we have these meetings that go off and, and all. I believe for those meetings that go off, but it has to be a personal revival first. It has to be something that happens in our home and our lives where I get around the, the Spirit of God and I speak in tongues and I rest in His presence. And the Bible, as we see there in Genesis and all the way through the Old Testament, the Hebrew word is ruach for spirit, often interchanged English in English to breath, wind and spirit. In the, in the New Testament, it's Numa, that same word, breath, wind, and the Spirit. So we see it in Genesis as God made man. He breathed, He breathed, He, he breathed the breath of life, the, the, the ruach of life into His Spirit, and then He came alive. We see in Luke 4, verse 18, Jesus says, The Spirit, or the Numa, the breath of God is upon me. Uh, we see in John 20 that as He breathed on them, He said, Receive the wind, the breath, the Numa of God. As He gets baptized and gets 
ready to step into ministry where the miraculous would begin. We see the pneuma, the Spirit of God descend like a dove. Oh, Scripture, the Word of God that stirs faith in you is not just written words. It says it's God pneuma. It's God breathe. It's God wind. It's the Spirit of God inspired. Acts 2 verse 4, it says the Spirit of God came upon them and they spoke in other tongues. That Word is pneuma. That Word is breath. That Word is life. And what I believe the enemy tries to do is to take away your breath. Take away your breath. If someone is winded, if someone is having an asthma attack, if someone is low in oxygen, if someone is, 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 is being exercising, has lost their breath, they, they, they don't make effective decisions. They struggle to get out their words. They begin to fatigue. They begin to get tired. And it's the same in the spirit as it is in the natural. That you begin when you're not breathing, you're not making rational decisions. You begin to get spiritual fatigue. You begin to not be able to speak the Word of God with authority. You begin to affect your reactions. Hey, you get to be, oh, everything begins to shut down. When you don't have oxygen, I was with someone recently and they lost their oxygen and, and, and I noticed their fingers began to curl as they begin to lose function. The authority that holds the Word of God, we begin to lose that authority when you don't have the breath of God flowing through you. Can I say church, one of the things that needs to reawaken and come alive in the church again is a passion for doing life, daily life with the Holy Spirit. Not just having occasionally a Holy Spirit meeting, but every day speaking in tongues and breathing the breath of life, the breath of God. Come on, stand to your feet wherever you are, online, in the room. If the Holy Spirit's gonna touch you, breathe in you, minister to you. I promise you next week, we're gonna open this altar and just pray for people. In the, in the, in the month ahead, we're gonna have these nights where we're just gonna lay hands and believe. We're gonna anoint you with oil. We're gonna pray for God's power to move through your life. But what you need right now is to have an authority in your ask. Some of us have lost our authority. Some of us have put our belief in our faith and you need to put your belief in His grace. Some of us have asked and stopped asking and you now need to earnestly seek Him with everything you have. But for all of us, where does this start? With the breath of God. I got in my car and I prayed last Saturday and I was tired, I was flat. If I can, I felt like I was lacking in faith. And I brought out my list and I began to declare and I began to speak out and I did all the things I said and I felt God say, hey, Josh, how about you just spend time with me? How about you let me breathe life into your situation again? Hey, I know what you need. And can I tell you, I still had to ask, but I didn't have to ask for long because all of a sudden there was a breath that had an authority and a grace and an anointing on because it wasn't about my strength. It was about His grace. Guys, you need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you go back to the beginning there in Genesis, there's a waiting period where they're like, where's the miracle? Where's what you're saying? But it only came when He came and He breathed life. We see there in for Noah in the ark, there was a waiting for the miracle. But you know when they were able to get out? When He sent the Ruach, the breath of God that came and dried the earth and made a way. We see in the Shunammite woman, when her son has died, what she needed was the man of God to come and do what? Breathe his Ruach, breathe breath into the life of that child. You know what happened in Ezekiel's bones? His, those bones were dry and dead. And God said, can these bones live again? And I'd ask you for the thing you've stopped praying, earnestly believing, asking and seeking for. Can they still 
11, He says, only knew you know God. And He said, speak to the four winds. And all of a sudden, that breath of God, that Ruach came and life came to those bones again. It was the Holy Spirit that empowered Jesus to rise from the grave. It was the breath, the pneuma of God that allowed the, hot, the disciples in that upper room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is that same breath that you need to breathe in. It is that same breath that gives authority. It's that same breath that points to Jesus' grace. It's that same breath that allows you to earnestly seek. It is the breath of God that releases the miraculous over your life. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. You know what? The past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace, and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.